Welcome to the Catholic Truth Podcast, where we teach and preach the truth of the Catholic faith without compromise and without apology. We want to give you high energy and non-boring Catholicism, where anyone at any time can come to know exactly what the Catholic Church teaches and why. We do apologetics, spirituality, other religions, our culture, and more. Most of all, we want to inspire you, inform you, and help you to know, love, and live your Catholic faith with purpose and passion. We are Catholic Truth. Many of you have heard that Michelle and Timothy Quigley have left the Catholic Church. Many people have attacked them, which is wrong, and there have been other people who have left the Catholic Church as well, and so I wanted to make this video as an invitation to possibly open up dialogue with the Quigleys or with any other Catholic who has left the Church. Because anytime somebody leaves the Church, it's a sad day. It means that something was wrong, or we didn't provide for their needs, or just they didn't get it in some way, and the Quigleys sound like they got it more than most, but there's still things that are happening in their life that made them leave. And to me, that's a very sad day. And you might be surprised uh, to hear that I am not going to condemn them, and I'm actually going to agree with them on a lot of points that they made, because they have some fair points, and people can't just dismiss their experience or everything that has happened to them. And then maybe we can create a dialogue. My idea would be to talk to the Quigleys face-to-face, -face or even over the phone, and just have a good discussion. And most people would expect me to try to convert them, but in reality, my first and foremost goal would be to listen, to hear their experience, and just to be there for them. And if they want to ask questions or if they want to talk deeper about other things, sure, we could do that. But really, people need to be heard first and people need to be respected first. And so this video is made in the spirit of love, humility, and respect. One of the main objections that the Quigleys had was that there are mean people in the church, judgmental people in the church, people who look down on others, who judge others, who condemn others, who say oh, homosexuals are bad because the Bible says so, and many other things where they just give these bumper sticker condemnations. And I have to say 100% that that is true. There are many mean-spirited people who claim to follow Christ, who claim to be Catholic, who pray, but they don't actually exemplify Christ. They don't have his love. They don't have his mercy. They don't have his kindness. I mean, look at Galatians chapter 5. It talks about the fruits of the Holy Spirit, that if you have the Spirit in you, you are full of kindness, love, generosity, chastity, peace, goodness, and a lot of other things that we wonder where they are in people's lives who claim to follow Christ. There are people who look down on others, who judge others, who are mean-spirited, and that's wrong. And I'm sorry that you guys have had that experience. And maybe many other Catholics or now ex-Catholics have had that experience too. I myself have been hurt many times. I mean, in fact, the people I've been hurt the most by in my life, many of them have worked for the Catholic Church. There is a toxic sector of the Catholic Church, and that has happened over the last 50 years, where these people have come into the church who are not healthy, since it doesn't represent lifelong Catholic Church 2,000 years, but ever since Vatican II and 50,000 nuns left the church in 10 years, and 10,000 priests left the church in 10 years, our church drastically changed. And not necessarily for the better. It left a huge hole in the church, and we let a lot of toxic people into the hierarchy, and into the people who run parishes and that sort of thing, and people have been really hurt 
by people in the church. I also went to Catholic school with the nuns, who back in the 70s and 80s were really mean. They were anything and everything except the love of Christ. I mean, I don't understand how they could pray so much and be so mean and hit your knuckles with rulers and that sort of thing. But the fact is, I mean, not all nuns were that way. Some were really loving and gentle, but some... I could see why people leave the church. I could see why they were chased out because of the bad examples that other people set. And even priests and bishops have set bad examples. One of the objections that uh, the Quigleys had were the priest scandals. And that's a tragedy. It's an evil that I've spoken out on and that I think we should speak out on because it needs to be uprooted from our church. These wolves in sheep's clothing need to be exposed. So, I think that the Quigleys have a lot of good points. I think that their experience is real and that they've been hurt and they've had a lot of things that have made them think about these things on a deeper level. But I got to thinking, do people who don't live the faith well and scandalize others and mean people in the church, does that justify us leaving the church? This is what I I guess I've been thinking about lately. I mean, Jesus says in 1 Corinthians 12 that he is the head of the church, which is the body. So if we leave the body, if we leave the church, are we also leaving Christ? And where else are we going to go? I mean, I was thinking about this too. Like, if Jesus started the Catholic Church, and it's his church, where else could we possibly go? I mean, sure, there's bad people in the church and there's bad things that are going to happen, which we'll talk about. But Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 and 20 that he's always going to be with his church. Matthew 16, 18 and 19, Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And there are bad people in the church. They brought up the priest scandals. The priest scandals are an atrocity. And the Quigleys themselves said this. Our first big difficulty was trying to reconcile the priest scandals. And how could a priest who says Mass every day, who receives the body and blood of Christ, and is so close to him not be changed by him? Now, this is a really fair point. I mean, to look at people who receive Jesus and they're not being changed by him, it makes it seem like either the sacraments don't work or Jesus isn't working in the church or something like that. But I think this is just a classic example of church history, of Judeo-Christian history. I mean, if we look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus said in Matthew 23 to do whatever they tell you because they have authority from God and they sit on the seat of Moses. But don't follow their example because they're a bunch of corrupt hypocrites who don't follow God and aren't good examples at all. So they didn't lose their authority just because they were corrupt. They still had God's authority, as does the Catholic Church, even though there are some corrupt priests who are by far the minority. But the question is, how could these people still claim to follow God, pray, receive the sacraments, and not be changed by them? But the reality is, it is a choice, and some people don't actually want to follow Christ. There's three categories of people, in my opinion. Number one, people who don't want to follow Christ. They're evil. They're corrupt. They have no intention to do it, even though they're going through the motions and are wolves in sheep's clothing. Two, people who do want to follow Christ, but they've lost their prayer life. They uh, stopped praying, and they would stopped receiving graces, and they've shut themselves off in a sense, interiorly, and so they're not receiving grace anymore from sacraments or prayer or anything else because they're not really doing it. They're just going through the motions. They've lost that life of God within them. And then there's people who really do want to follow Christ, but somewhere along the line, they made a mistake. They did something evil. The weird thing is that 
Think about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were constantly listening to Jesus, monitoring him, looking for him to fall, looking for ways to trap him. They heard Jesus. They heard the author of all grace, the God of all gods. They heard him every day, and it didn't penetrate their hearts. It didn't convert them. In fact, they remained evil. And Jesus said in Matthew 23 that they will not escape the fires of hell unless they repent. And many of the tax uh, collectors and sinners will get to heaven before them. And then you have other people like Judas who refused to open up his heart as well. Think about this for a second. Judas was with Jesus 24-7. He heard his teachings. He saw his miracles. He received his graces. He received grace from the fountain of grace 24-7, and it didn't penetrate his heart. And in fact, many of the people that Jesus followed, it didn't penetrate their hearts. Now, we could say that, well, did Jesus not work? I mean, was Jesus not working? Was he not able to do this? Or were people not open to this? There really is a free will aspect where people themselves have to be open to the graces. We could receive the Eucharist 10 times a day, but it's not going to do anything if we don't want Christ in our lives, if we don't open up our hearts to him, if we don't make the changes in our life that block the grace of God or don't dispose us to him. I mean, Judas, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, people who encountered Christ all the time, it's the same as many priests and bishops and Catholics today who encounter Christ all the time, but it doesn't penetrate their hearts. It's not necessarily that the sacraments don't work, because then you'd have to say that Jesus doesn't work. But the fact is, it's really the people who need to change their hearts and desire it. As I said, between 1967 and 1977, 50,000 nuns and 10,000 priests left the church. They relaxed seminary laws. They didn't require psychological evaluations in most places. They would take anyone and everyone into the priesthood, and we wonder why there are so many evil people. Not to mention, it's pretty much been proven that Masons and Communists have actually infiltrated the Catholic Church and tried to destroy it from within. There are a lot of evils in the Church. That is true. That's true. But does that make the Church evil? No. I know Mr. Quigley used to say that the church is holy. The church is holy, and now he's seeing that it's unholy. But the reality is that the church is holy, and it's unholy. Why? Because the church itself has a divine side. It was started by Christ himself. That is holy. But it also has a human side, which is most unholy. And most times, it doesn't reflect the love of Christ, and it doesn't reflect Christ at all. And that's really sad, and we have to somehow bring the two together. But the church was started by Jesus, so one would ask, where could we go? Like when Jesus asked Peter, are you going to leave me too over the Eucharist in this hard teaching? And Peter's like, uh, I don't understand what you're talking about, Lord. But I mean, we believe that you are the Lord and you have the words of everlasting life. Where else would we go? And it's the same thing. I know in America, 1.2% of priests have been guilty of sexual abuse. The majority have not been pedophilia. But the bottom line is that those 1.2% of priests, wolves in sheep's clothing, they don't represent, in my opinion, the church. Why would we base the church off people who don't live it as opposed to the majority of people who do live it? And I will agree with you, this is a hard time to be Catholic because there is so much corruption in the church right now. There's so many priests not living the faith, teaching something opposed to the faith, which by and large, is why I started my, this organization, Catholic Truth, because we need a clear voice in this age of confusion, and we need a light in this darkness. Jesus and the Catholic Church have been around here for 2,000 years. 
And I would beg people to reconsider leaving based off a really bad time in history. And even the people who don't live the faith, like people who are mean-spirited, who are angry, who judge others, who condemn others, and there's a lot of that in the church. We shouldn't be looking, I don't think we should be looking at the people in the church, because when our eyes are on the people, it's like Jesus and Peter, who were walking on the water, and Peter took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the waves and saw the storm around, but he didn't keep his eyes on Jesus. These people are not the church. Jesus is the head of our church. No pope, no bishop, no priest, no one is the head of our church except Jesus. And to say that, oh, well, that person scandalized me. Well, 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 those people are bad. Those people are mean. That's all true. But Jesus is the head of our church, and I pray that we could keep our eyes on him. I know the Quigley said that they struggled with this themselves, being loving, and they said they loved, you know, people more than others, but they judged too, and they looked down on others. And it seems, from the outside looking in, it was very legalistic Catholicism. If you follow the rules, God loves you. If you go to Mass and say a rosary and you teach religious education and RCAA, then you're doing good. You're on the road to heaven. God loves you. If you do X, Y, and Z, and you pray your chaplets, and you pray rosaries, and you do everything, well, then it's your job to go out and convert sinners so that they can come into the church and know God. And it's this whole rigorous, legalistic way of living Catholicism. I mean, we could know everything about God and we could do all the right things, just like the Pharisees did, without having an interior change of heart. It's amazing to me that the Pharisees never had their hearts converted, but people who heard Jesus half the amount of time as the Pharisees did had their hearts converted. It's an amazing mystery on how all of that happens. But the bottom line is we are called to be loving. We're called to be kind. And the Catholic Church teaches us to be so. I'm going to read from Vatican II, the official Vatican II documents, and actually teaches the opposite of what the Quigleys have experienced in many of their communities with many of the Catholics they know, the mean judgmental ones. And in fact, they're doing it wrong. That is not real Catholicism. That's wrong because we're not following Christ. We're not following his example. And Christ taught me that. I mean, when I converted to Christ, I hit people with a sledgehammer. I wanted to convert the Protestant and the heretic and the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness and pretty much everyone who was wrong. I went through that. But God himself gave me a revelation of revelations and turned my heart inside out and taught me that it's all about love. It's all about kindness. You could have all the right arguments, but you're still a jerk and no one wants to listen to you. And so you don't convert anyone. Or you could be kind and loving and be like a saint. And people can just be in your presence and they'll be converted. Because that's the power of holy living. Saints make saints. Not always clever arguments and, you know, beating people over the head with the truth in the name of a false love. What we call love, and it's not love, it's just us not being able to control our temper, or us being a jerk, or us having emotional problems that we're pouring out on other people. And all of it, Jesus never did that. Jesus was loving, he was kind, and so we need to be too. Listen to what the Catholic Church says about this. Christian charity is extended to all without distinction of race, social condition, or religion, and it seeks neither gain or gratitude. Just as God loves us with a gratuitous love, so we and charity should be concerned for all mankind and loving in the same way. Therefore, there can be no ecumenism, and by ecumenism it means finding unity in order to bring people into the Catholic Church and evangelize them. There can be no ecumenism without an interior conversion. For it is the newness of attitude of mind from self-denial and unstinted love that desires the unity 
which will take rise and develop in a mature way. We should therefore pray to the Holy Spirit for the grace to be genuinely self-denying, humble, gentle in the service of others, and to have an attitude of brotherly generosity toward them. This sacred counsel urges the faithful to abstain from any frivolous and imprudent zeal. Now, I know the Quigley said and kind of hinted at that they had an imprudent zeal, and they know a lot of people who had a frivolous and imprudent zeal, but the church actually counsels us against this. So every time we're living this way, we're not actually living up to what the Catholic Church is teaching. So I just maybe perhaps want to invite the Quigleys to maybe read these documents, to look at them. I mean, it goes on to talk about how we're supposed to be the loving face of Christ and how, as Christ loved us, we're supposed to love others in the same way. And we're not supposed to be like, oh, it's in the Bible. You're a sinner. And maybe those things are true. But if you don't do it in the right way with the right motives, then what does it matter? And so I want to ask them to really consider this, that maybe they just had a bad experience. Or perhaps, I don't know them, but perhaps they did it wrong themselves. And there is a better way of doing it, which can change your heart, rejuvenate your life, and bring you closer to Christ, and let Christ flow through you. Ever since Christ came into my life and changed me, and I stopped hitting people with the sledgehammers, I've had a much greater impact on people's lives. I wonder if the Quigleys know that the Catholic Church has come out with a document on homosexuality, saying that we're supposed to treat them the same as everyone else, love them, be kind to them, not demean them, not be bully them, not disrespect them or do anything like that in any way, but love them. And so, if people are being mean to them and condemning them, they're not living their Catholic faith. Again, the Catholic Church has 2,000 years of wisdom and has been preaching things for 2,000 years. The Church has so much wisdom, and I would beg that you reconsider this after you go on your journey, after you heal, after you pray about this. Please consider that maybe leaving the head, Christ himself, leaving his Church, was the best option. Maybe you, who had so much zeal. Maybe other ex-Catholics had zeal before they left. Maybe you could come back and help those people see the light. Help evangelize. Write a book on the subject. Fix God's church from within. In the 12th century, Jesus called St. Francis of Assisi to rebuild his dilapidated church. And today, in 2020, many of us, Christ is calling to rebuild his dilapidated church. I know I'm called to do that, which is why I started Catholic Truth, to help build up the church in the little way that we can. Just remember that Jesus himself said there would always be bad people in the church. Jesus himself said that. So how could we expect anything different? I mean, Jesus in Matthew 13 said there's going to be weeds and wheat in the church, the parable of the weeds and the wheat. The wheat being good people, the weeds being sown by the devil in the church, in God's kingdom, being the bad people. And Jesus said, don't separate them until the end of time. Then the weeds will go into the fire and the wheat will go to heaven. But the thing is that they're going to have good and bad people in the church until the end of time. Jesus said that. And if Jesus says that, how could we be scandalized saying, well, I'm not going to be Catholic anymore because look at all these bad people. Or St. Paul, who said there's even going to be wolves in sheep's clothing in the hierarchy. People in the hierarchy are going to scandalize people and be evil. Paul said it. Jesus said it. It's going to be there because the devil hates the church and is going to try to attack it from within. I mean, think of Paul. Paul was zealous. Zeal is good. He killed Christians out of zeal for God. But So the zeal was good, but he did it the wrong way. Perhaps many of us, maybe even people like the Quigleys, we do it the wrong way, and it just needs a little tweaking. After 
God got Paul's heart, he still had the same zeal, but he did it in the right way. Perhaps, maybe you're called to do it in the right way, and perhaps, I bet Quigley's, I have no doubt about this, that you could influence and change many other people in that aspect and help them to live it in the right way. Lastly, please don't give up on God. I mean, it sounds like you're having personal doubts and struggles with God. And my wife and I, we had these struggles too. For three years of darkness, we asked a lot of the same questions you're asking. We got mad at God. We struggled with God. We couldn't find him in our life. We couldn't understand why our prayers weren't being answered. And I know you're struggling with that with your two kids who are atheists, but take the long-term approach. I beg you. My mom cried herself to bed many nights a week over me. My mom prayed for me day and day and night and saw no change. She just saw me getting worse and worse and becoming angrier and more violent and really farther away from God in my heart. Even though I went to church on Sundays, I did the things I was supposed to, I wasn't a godly man. But my mom kept praying for me. And I not only did I come back, now I preach the Catholic faith for a living. So don't despair that your kids left the faith. Don't blame God and certainly don't blame his church. His church had nothing to do with it. And God, he's listening to your prayers. Look at what God did in my life. He brought so much good out of bad after I wandered away. He can bring so much good in the life of your kids after they wander away. And I know you know a lot of this in your head, but are you humble enough to rethink about it in your heart, please? God is going to use your children. He can bring them back in such a more powerful way than ever before. Have to trust God has a plan. It's not the sacraments that don't work. It's that we have free will. Pharisees heard Jesus, walked away. Judas heard Jesus, walked away. Paul prayed day and night, still had wrong zeal, misplaced in the wrong way. Many of us have issues that are blocking God, or we just choose not to, or we don't want to right now, or there's just things that are happening, or God allows it to bring about a greater good later on. So don't despair about your kids. Just keep praying for them as my mom prayed for me, as St. Monica prayed for Augustine for like 30 years, and then he became the single most powerful person in the early church who himself crushed six heresies because he was so holy. He was so smart. And God used him in such a powerful way after all his wanderings. Can you imagine if your kid, Mr. Quigley, Mrs. Quigley, was a future St. Augustine? That God allowed them to wander and brought them back even more powerfully. How awesome would that be? Please pray about this. Think about it. Don't despair over it. And please consider the church again. I beg you to give it a second look. I'm open to discussing. I'm even open just to listening and letting you vent all of your frustrations, your your struggles, everything that you've dealt with in the church, I think people should be listened to more, and I'm open to listening to you without lecturing or, you know, pontificating or anything like that. Uh, so please consider that. Um, reach out to me if you want to, or if any other ex-Catholics want to reach out to me or our organization, feel free to do so. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm not here to you know, look down on you in any way, but I am here to dialogue with you. I'm, in, I'm even here just to pray for you and to be here with you. I've had so many struggles in the Catholic Church. I've had so many struggles in my life with God, and I've got through them, and I'm still working on getting through some of them, but God is here. He'll lead you through that dark night. Don't despair. If nothing else, I just want you to know that my heart goes out to you, that I'm praying for you, I'll even pray for your children, especially the atheist ones. And in fact, I already have before making this video, but I will also pray for them again. And uh, I would consider this an invitation for all ex-Catholics to open up a dialogue, to please consider re-looking at the church, consider forgiving the church. Yes, we have to forgive people in our own life, but sometimes the church herself needs to be forgiven and we need to find healing 
through that. 